0: It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin.
1: We're in the freest place on earth right now, Florida. You know, um... The media in this country, and I know you're sick of hearing it, but I want to make a point. They're more than corrupt, and they're more than pathetic. They take the attention of the nation off of things that really do matter. And the best examples of the worst kind of journalism you can see on MSNBC and CNN. You can see in the pages of the New York Times and the Washington Post. You can see on the nightly news programs, on the big three networks. It never stops as they push their agenda because power is first. But I want to tell you a little story. There was a young lady in Iran by the name, a YouTuber by the name of Serena Eshmalzada, 16 years old. Beautiful young lady, just a 16 year old, a YouTuber. And the Iranian authorities grabbed her, beat her to death with batons during a protest in Karaj Abor's province. After repeatedly trying to collect her remains, reports MSN.com. The mother was told her daughter was immoral and a terrorist by the thugs. When she finally got to see the badly beaten and brutalized body of her 16-year-old daughter, she went home and hanged herself. Intelligence agents harassed and intimidated the teenager's family in a bid to keep them silent, according to Amnesty International. Twitter users said the mom's suicide was triggered by her daughter's death and the cruel behavior of security officials. And YouTube videos have emerged showing her, that is, the daughter without a hijab, contrary to Iran's strict dress code. And in another, she's dancing with an identified man and wearing her hair loose. She's also seen discussing issues, including women's rights. Their family had looked for her for 10 days before authorities finally handed over her body. The death toll has risen to 185 since protests broke out last month. Women are being murdered in the streets. Murdered in the streets. It is they who are leading the protests in the Islamo-Nazi state of Iran. Um, private messaging groups, schoolgirls across Iran said they were planning more protests. 17-year-old Sharami went missing on September 20. She was also allegedly tortured and murdered. And it is amazing to me, if you watch MSNBC and the self-righteous Self-righteous. Real slime. Like the morning schmo and the schmos that are with him. Or you watch these other programs. They don't even talk about this. It's not even mentioned. This comes out of the UK. Out of the UK. Webnews at metro.co.uk Who's covering this? There is an effort to overthrow the government of Iran being led by teenage girls and their mothers. Desperate. Desperate. For freedom. Maybe I'm getting old, but I remember the good old days when people were concerned about things like this. When you'd have a secretary of state and a head of the National Security Council, secretary of defense, a president, a vice president, speak out, not just once, not just twice, but repeatedly about what's going on to focus the world on what's taking place. I don't even see my allies in the media talking about this. I don't even see conservatives talking about this. They're too busy defending Vladimir Putin in Russia, which is now bombing the hell out of the cities in Ukraine purposely trying to kill their citizens. And, of course, if Ukraine were to bomb the cities in Russia, trying to kill their citizens, you'd never hear the end of it. You'd never hear the end of it. We have this Maggot Haberman pushing her gossip-filled, preposterous book all over the place. She's getting more attention than these young teenage girls in Iran who are putting their lives on the line. Maggot Haberman's never had to do that. As a so-called journalist, all she works from is leaks, disgruntled former employees, never Trumpers. Big deal. Big deal. This is real world that's taking place in Iran, and there's no attention paid to it. No attention paid to it. It's real world what's going on in Ukraine. Ukraine. And people are attacking the Ukrainian government and defending Putin while lying and pretending they're not defending Putin. Oh, they're defending Putin. They've always defended Putin. And one of the reasons they're not even reporting this is because the Putinoids also support the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran. When Donald Trump took out, took out the head of the, the uh, Republican Guard Suleiman, he was attacked by these same morons for provoking a war with Iran. See, we're always provoking wars, not the enemy, we. If you're an American firster, you're MAGA, you're conservative, don't fall for that claptrap. Being an American firster doesn't mean attacking your own country when the enemy is rising up. When the enemy is invading your allies. No, that's not an American firster, as far as I'm concerned. That's an American laster. That's exactly what that is. It's one thing to oppose never-ending wars. It's another thing to be a damnable fool who will get us into a world war because you show weakness. You unilaterally withdraw And this is where the radical libertarians and the radical Marxists all agree. Don't join them. Don't embrace them. Vladimir Putin is slaughtering people. He's torturing people. You don't see that in Russia by the Ukrainians. You see that in Russia by Vladimir Putin. Assassinating, mauling, brutalizing, torture chambers. You see it In Ukraine, where he's doing the same thing there. And, of course, he threatens us with nuclear weapons. How should this end, people ask. How can this end? He needed an off-ramp. I've got the off-ramp. I had the off-ramp before Lindsey Graham had the off-ramp, didn't I, Mr. Producer? The off-ramp, the off-ramp is for someone in Russia or even the Ukrainians. To take him out, the way we took out Yamamoto, the brains behind the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Take him out. Anyone who threatens to annihilate the United States with nuclear weapons should not be defended by anybody. I don't care how deep their support for Russia, and the Putinoids go, or for the Is- Iranian Islamo-Nazi regime go. That's not who conservatives are. That's not Reaganism, who knew how to defeat the Soviet Union. Who knew how to contain these other countries. No. I'm sick and tired of the Tokyo Roses in our country. The equivalents. They're going to get us into a nuclear war. No, 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 no. The enemy is the enemy. Now. What people should be doing and they're not doing is speaking out against Biden negotiating with the Iranians to ensure that they have nuclear weapons. How come the Putinoids aren't even speaking out about that? How come they're not getting hemorrhoids over that one? And how come it is that Talib and Omar and Bush and Baker and the candlestick maker are there, the The communist Marxist element within the Democrat Party, how come they're not coming to the defense of these women? Why is that? The Palestinians last week found out that one of their own was gay. You didn't hear this either. One of their own was gay there in the Middle East and they tortured and killed her. How come Talib doesn't speak out against that? How come you don't hear about these things? Instead you get day in and day out Herschel Walker like he's some threat to the country. We need his vote in the Senate desperately. He's some threat to the country. No. No. We don't get the focus on the real news here. Not in this country. We get the unreality of their reality each and every damn day.
0: Mark the In today's digital
1: age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount.
0: Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin.
1: I know it's just a hearing, but so far a victory in Chester County, Pennsylvania. So I guess they can't say 60 to 0, 66 to 0. There's one. And I suspect there's a hell of a lot more than one. It's just become a talking point, like January 6th was an insurrection. or Joe Biden has a brain. You know, just a talking point. Anyway. This piece in red state by Mike Miller election integrity watchdog files lawsuits over millions of cases of voter registration fraud. Now in the past when we had a real media this would be a very interesting story today you got to kill it. Because anybody who dares to raise something like this is obviously nuts. With the 2022 midterms less than a month away and the country arguably more divided on numerous fronts than at any time since the Civil War, yeah, the Democrats are at it again. First the Confederacy and now Marxism. An election integrity watchdog group has filed multiple lawsuits over voters registered more than once. Over millions of voter registrations missing required identification information. Conservative election law nonprofit Public Interest Legal Foundation That's run by J. Christian Adams. PILF filed six lawsuits in six Minnesota counties over 515 duplicate registrants. As reported by Just the News, they also found that 3.1 million registered voters in New York State were missing personal identification information, including driver's license numbers and Social Security numbers, which makes it difficult for the state to accurately maintain its voters list precisely the objective on the Democrat side of the ledger in Democrat-controlled states. Here's what they put in their press release. The Help America Vote Act prohibits states from accepting a voter registration unless the voter registration contains a unique identifying number such as the last four digits of a Social Security number or driver's license number. The Department of Justice, a.k.a. joke oversees the HAVA enforcement, the law enforcement, and therefore needs to act quickly in order to fix this crucial issue. Said the president of the group, J. Christian Adams, states should be performing data entry competently. New York has a list of all registered voters affected by this problem and can immediately get to work to fix it. The Department of Justice should be the entity enforcing federalist maintenance obligations against New York. Not private charities. Wow. I wonder what Bill Barr thinks about this. Just curious. Voter registration issues in Minnesota, Adams told Just the News, are nothing new. He said this lawsuit flurry is hopefully going to clean up some Minnesota problems because they've had these duplicates on the rolls for a very long time and some indeed are casting two ballots. Wait a minute. Didn't Bill Barr say he saw no systemic problems, Mr. Producer? This looks like one. One of the duplicate voters is in a mental hospital, a convicted child sex offender. He had managed to cast two ballots in the 2020 election. It looks like, Adams said, adding, we found a guy in Pittsburgh registered seven times. According to Adams, the Department of Justice voting section, under the watchful eye of Meritless Garland, could fix the voter fraud issue easily given the department's near-exclusive authority to, quote, actually do something about inaccurate voter rolls and duplicate voter rolls, and they just don't do it since George W. Bush left office. Wow, I guess they didn't do it when the Justice Department was under Trump and Bill Barr. I don't mean to pick on Bill Barr, but he is out there under oath saying, you know, move along, there's no problem here. But, hey, Garland has been consumed by more issues than voter integrity, such as blocking Republican access to the FBI's January 6th documents, the unprecedented raid on a former president's home, and explaining why an Antifa attack on a federal courthouse at night might not be domestic terrorism. No, 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 no. It's worth noting the legal group is the nation's only public interest law firm dedicated wholly to election integrity, though I might add Landmark Legal Foundation's been involved in it a long time, too. And there are others, but Jay Christian Adams does a fantastic job. The Democrat Party, well, they don't want to make it easier to vote. Democrats want to make it easier to cheat. And Democrat hypocrisy knows no bounds, as was the case in the 2020 presidential election. When we saw both Democrats accuse Trump of colluding with Russia when Hillary Clinton was behind the Russian collusion. Democrats tendency to accuse Republicans. The very charges which they themselves are guilty of is decades old and will only worsen during these midterms in the 2024 general election and so forth. And remember that secret plan that Biden and the Democrats have that's not supposed to be secret. uh, Where they're trying to make sure that people really have an opportunity to register and get out to vote and they've kept it secret and there's not a court in the country. That has done anything effective to force that information out of the iron grip of the Feds. Nothing. Then we have Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, who is a disaster. You know, I got to say this. It's time for the Republicans in the Senate to grow a pair. and To take this old man down and replace him with somebody who is vibrant who is today, who is solidly conservative, who can communicate to the American people, who's not just some old thuggish bully rhino who cares only if Republicans support him and not the Constitution. His priority is himself. This is by Suzanne Downing at The Daily Caller. Senator Mitch McConnell has no excuse. The ads, his political group, his political group, is producing to attack Alaska Republican Senate candidate Kelly, how do you pronounce it, Mr. Shabaka? Kelly Shabaka are beyond the pale, and she'll be on this program, by the way, in the days ahead, as will many candidates. Campaign attacks intensify in October because as the election runaway gets shorter, that is, the runway gets shorter, it takes a sharp message to catch voters' attentions and seal the deal. But the money being spent by Mitch McConnell... And his so-called Senate leadership fund to attack a fellow Republican, the most conservative of the two, because he's backing Lisa Murkowski. And one who may win and join the Senate to be his colleague should shock the sensibilities of all conservatives. And it is shocking Alaskans. Indeed, Mitch McConnell's determination to destroy another Republican's reputation is driving Alaskans away from the Republican Party. Because they do not distinguish the difference between the state Republican Party and the national Republican establishment with McConnell's money, which appears to be operating contrary to the wishes of Alaska conservatives and Republicans. Just so you folks understand. Kelly Shabaka is backed by the state Republican Party. They've excommunicated Lisa Murkowski and Kentucky's Mitch McConnell is spending money contributed to a Senate leadership fund, which is millions and millions reaching into Alaska to try and destroy the Republican, the conservative that is backed by the Republicans and conservatives in Alaska. That's McConnell. That's McConnell. McConnell. It's one thing for the campaigns to attack each other's candidates. That's the unfortunate part of campaigning for office. Setting forth the contrast for voters. This year, Alaska's new open primary sent two Republican candidates for Senate to the general election ballot. It's unprecedented in Alaska as a result of Lisa Murkowski's allies pushing ballot measure two. So that Murkowski would not have to face a Republican primary. And it's Murkowski, Wari, voters again. Alaskans have never seen before such ugliness from the GOP, which appears to be attacking its own candidate, Shabaka, all the way into November. Normally, once the August primary is over, the internecine battle stops and Republicans gather behind their candidate. Not this year. The battle only intensified in the Republican world thanks to the Murkowski ballot allowing her to scoot past Republican voters and head to the general election without them. They set up this voting system like California did to promote their own candidates, the Democrats and the Democrat Party. Well, Murkowski did the same thing in the Republican Party, basically, in Alaska. And they spent a fortune to get this thing passed. So she didn't have to face the more conservative Republican primary voters. And so now she's running against another Republican in the general election. That's how this works. And over the top comes McConnell. McConnell, when Obamacare passed, he put an amendment in there. He slipped an amendment in there. Even though he voted against Obamacare, he slipped an amendment in there that would increase the contributions the Senate leadership fund and groups like it could get from give or take thirty-five or $32,000 to 10 times that amount. The man is sitting on and was over $100 million to empower himself in the Republican establishment. And Murkowski, as you know, voted for impeachment. Murkowski is in the back pocket of the teachers' unions. She votes with them 100% of the time. She's the one Republican they love, she and Collins. Murkowski is big-time lefty. Big-time Washington. Each of these Republican candidates, Murkowski and Shabaka, brings with her a separate sensibility and set of values for how to legislate. On the left hand, we have Murkowski, the elder war horse of Alaska and American politics. Hardened by years of election cycles, an heir to the throne given to her by her father. Her father... Senator and then Governor Frank Murkowski appointed her to the Senate. Appointed his daughter. She knows how to run an effective campaign. And this year, a campaign has done a masterful job amassing millions and millions in donations from around the country and following a clear message arc where her deliverables and grants and pork are being delivered at just the right time of the election cycle. She has her own super PAC That does attack ads for her. She has McConnell's millions and millions that have unleashed the hounds of hell on her Republican challenger. On the right hand, we have Shabaka, the upstart Republican who came home to Alaska after working in Washington to raise her children in her homeland and to help keep the 49th state from going off the rails. She doesn't have the millions, but she does have the support of former President Donald Trump, which is something money can't buy. Their personal stories are nearly as different as their politics. Murkowski is a blue blood, while Shabaka comes from a hard, scrabble, working class family with parents who once lived in a tent to get by. Murkowski is pro abortion, pro gun control in Alaska, if you can believe it, and anti Trump. Shabaka's pro life, pro second, and pro Trump. Once McConnell untethered his 6.5 million. Remember, Alaska is a small population state. 6.5 million, all in negative ads to destroy Shabaka. He decided to destroy her completely and to send a message to any other Republican or whatever dare to challenge Lisa Murkowski. And McConnell Senate Leadership Fund has repeatedly lied about Shabaka. He has accused her of fraud and clipped and twisted her own words against her, sharing only a fragment of her story. Shabaka, who endured corrupt attacks against her when she was a government watchdog trying to clean up fraud in the federal government, is having her fight for fair government being used against her, as though she was the one who was committing fraud. Alaskans don't know the full story. Here are the cliff notes. Shabaka's job in Washington was to keep federal employees honest, and some of them filed complaints against her in retaliation. And following a full investigation, she was completely exonerated and was subsequently promoted. McConnell and the Senate leadership fund are lying to Alaskans. And it's only early October. We can't h- wait to hear what trick McConnell pulls next. This is McConnell using Republican donor money improperly against a fellow Republican A complete violation of the Reagan rule. This is also using Republican money against Alaska itself. Against Alaska itself. The McConnell scorched earth war in Alaska seems like punishment against the Alaska Republican Party, which has endorsed Shabaka censured Murkowski and asked Murkowski to leave the party and run under another political banner. Why would McConnell do that when both of these Republicans would still be part of the Republican caucus? When the Alaska Senate race will not make one iota of difference in bringing the Senate back under Republican leadership. In other words, that's $6.5 million he could be using to help uh, Oz in Pennsylvania, Herschel Walker in Georgia, J.D. Vance in Ohio. Masters in Arizona, Laxalt in Nevada, Johnson in Wisconsin. <coughs> Why would he not focus on these other states where seats could be flipped or held? Although Murkowski is a 65% reliable Republican vote, when Shabaka would probably be a 98% reliable Republican vote, they're both Republican. It's become clear that McConnell is conducting a proxy war against former President Donald Trump and using Alaska as his political battlefield. McConnell is leaving carnage and destruction in his wake as he plays his political games with the former president. In other words, he is the Vladimir Putin of Alaska. Alaskans should take note of what these attack ads really represent, the swamp at its worst. They don't represent Alaska virus, and they don't improve the quality of our political dialogue. The Alaska Republican Party should step up immediately, denounce McConnell and his attack on their endorsed candidate. And if the party doesn't, then its districts and regions should do so one at a time. And if none do, then their party's endorsements are utterly worthless. For Murkowski, she's complicit. She is complicit. She wishes to destroy the Alaska Republican Party, too. And to... And Shabaka is merely collateral damage. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Sleazy rhino Mitch McConnell. Wasting donor money to try and destroy a conservative. Mark
0: Levin. Seeking the truth never gets old. You're listening to the best of Mark
1: Levin. Those of you who've listened to this show over the years, particularly the last few years, you'll know that my position has been that there were violations of election laws in the federal constitution, in some cases state constitution, as in Pennsylvania. And this was the fraud that I've been pointing to that i've been pointing to i don't know anything about machines i don't know anything about ballots i don't know. i'm telling you about the constitution of the united states some of these state constitutions and some of these laws in some of these states that i know that's what i study and so it's been very frustrating for me when so-called conservatives who write for so-called conservative platforms or so-called conservative former federal prosecutors, or so-called conservative former attorney general, they go on TV and they say, look, uh, there was no evidence of systemic fraud, and we looked, we looked, and of course some people who even worked for that attorney general don't agree with him, U.S. attorney who represented Philadelphia, but that's beside the point. They know, and they have known, that the Constitution was violated in certain states. They know it. They know it today. And if they didn't understand it, I've only explained it a thousand times. Now you're not going to hear it from the January 6th Committee, which is utterly corrupt, Stalinistic, filled with self-aggrandizing hypocrites, who've challenged elections in the past, but that's beside the point, too. You're not going to get it from the media, for the most part, which is corrupt, filled with low-IQ morons, and again, is not interested in telling you the truth. All they have to do, I've said it a thousand times right here, Here's a case, a story out of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Now, some of you in LA, in New York, in Washington, around the country, you think your newspapers are liberal and they are. They're rotten. There's nothing as bad as the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm just telling you. It's the Trotskyite wing of the of the Marxist media. Doesn't get any more radical. Here we go. Ready? The Supreme Court just undid a key ruling for counting undated Pennsylvania mail ballots. The ruling involves a case about just 257 undated mail ballots from last year's November election, but its impact might be far greater. By Jonathan Lay. Ready? The U.S. Supreme Court on Tuesday vacated a federal appeals court decision that it allowed undated mail ballots to be counted in Pennsylvania. And as they write, or he does, injecting new uncertainty into an issue that could affect thousands of votes in next month's elections. The decision will open the door for new lawsuits over an issue that has become a consistent political and legal fight over the last two years. Republicans have sought to have undated mail ballots thrown out based on state election law, while Democrats have fought to have them counted. You know about this. This is one of the cases or situations I've told you about, that the Third Circuit was out in left field, that it simply gave its okay to the rewriting of Pennsylvania election law and not by the state legislature and not through the state constitutional amendment processes. The Third Circuit blew it. And the Third Circuit's quite liberal. It's an appellate court under the Supreme Court. Tuesday's order simply voids the lower court's decision. It doesn't reverse it, offer any opinion on the merits of the case, or provide direction on whether undated ballots should be counted. No, but it certainly gives you a hint. If the Supreme Court thought everything was copathetic, smooth as ice, cool as a cucumber... It wouldn't have vacated the decision of the Federal Court of Appeals, the Third Circuit. Of course, we don't know how it will finally rule, because it hasn't finally ruled. But we know what it did today. Amid that uncertainty, both sides rushed to interpret the ruling's practical effects. Quote, every county is expected to include undated ballots in their official returns for the November 8 election, consistent with Department of State's guidance. The Department of State's guidance is not the law. That's not what the law says. You're supposed to provide a date. How many of you have legal documents with no dates on them? Very few of you, I would think. How many banks accept checks with no dates on them? Acting Secretary of State Lee Chapman said in a statement Tuesday, this is consistent with the Department of State's guidance. She pointed to a state Commonwealth Court ruling that undated ballots should be counted under state and federal law. I'm sorry. This is the United States Supreme Court, ma'am. Or is it, Guy? But the U.S. Supreme Court's decision complicates the Department of State's argument. And further litigation over the issue is all but certain. No, it doesn't complicate it. It rejects it. Prior to this year's primary election, it was widely understood that undated ballots were to be rejected under state law. Yes! Under state law, undated ballots are are rejected. The appeals court decision upended that legal landscape, paving the way for undated mail ballots to be counted across the state for the first time. The federal court decision taken together with the Commonwealth Court decision led to a new understanding that undated ballots should be counted. Now, what's missing here, America? The state legislature never said that undated ballots should be counted. The state legislature and the law states, they're not to be counted. Now, according to the mass corrupt media, the former federal prosecutor prostitutes And all the rest of them, this was just failed litigation by the Trumpites again and again, just failed. These cases take time to percolate, ladies and gentlemen. What happened is the Democrat Party lawyers and the Democrat candidate lawyers swung into action, caught Trump lawyers on their heels, went into states that they knew would be incredibly important states. They form shop for state courts. They form shopped for federal courts. But most of all, they knew in Pennsylvania they had a state Supreme Court that was radical left-wing Democrat and would do anything for the Democrat Party, as did the Florida Democrat Supreme Court in 2000 for Bush. Now that the federal appeals court ruling has been undone, it's not clear that the Commonwealth Court decision alone, which isn't considered legal precedent, can be interpreted as requiring counties to count undated ballots. That means the question of whether such ballots will be counted this election will likely be decided and vigorously fought over in the coming weeks. Now, who lit this fuse? Who's causing all this anguish, all this anarchy? The Democrats. The Republicans aren't in there trying to change state law through well-placed, Republican officials, it's the Democrats. Now, why do they want undated ballots? Why do they assume Democrats don't know how to put dates down? Why do they assume Democrats will benefit from undated ballots? The only way you can assume that is if they're corrupt. Just another measure of protection, another standard in place to prevent illegal voting. Right, former federal prosecutors? Right, former Attorney General? Well, why else? Do they think their voters are stupid and they don't know how to write dates? And because Democrats, here's the Philadelphia Inquirer, are much more likely to vote by mail than Republicans are. Oh. So we all agree that Democrats are stupid. They don't know how to put it on dates. Well, then you don't get to vote. A decision to count undated mail ballots is likely to mean hundreds or potentially thousands more Democratic votes get counted. They mean don't get counted. Adam Bonin, a Democratic lawyer in the Lehigh County case at issue, said the Supreme Court's decision was disappointing. But he emphasized that state courts have recently relied on state law to rule in favor of. Counting undated mail ballots, that means undated ballots should still be counted this November, he argued. Now, keep in mind, that's not the state law. Josh Voss, a Republican lawyer on the other side of the case, disagreed because the appeals court had changed the legal landscape, he said. The Supreme Court's decision was simply returned to the proper status quo, which he argued means undated ballots should be thrown out. And of course, he's right. That's the law. Pennsylvania election law requires voters to write a date on the outer mailing envelope when returning their mail ballots. State courts had held over the last two years that the date required means undated ballots, despite being received on time, must be rejected, and that had generally become the policy statewide because it's the law. But in May, a federal appeals court sent shockwaves through the primary election vote count when it ruled that the practice of rejecting undated mail ballots violates federal voting rights laws. Because any date on a ballot envelope is accepted, the Third Circuit Court of Appeals ruled the date is a technicality. Technicality? The world runs on technicality, you idiots. And throwing out ballots on a technicality runs afoul of what's known as the materiality provision of the Civil Rights Act. That prompted an immediate fight between the U.S. Senate campaigns of Republicans Mehmet Oz and David McCormick with McCormick filing a new lawsuit in state court to have undated ballots counted. Now, I criticized this at the time and David McCormick is not a a lawyer. He's actually a good guy. He didn't come up with this cockamamie argument. It was Chuck Cooper, his lawyer a putative conservative who I've known for a long time, same man who represented John Bolton. He came up with this screwball idea, which of course would hurt Republicans because Republicans follow the law. And I had thought Chuck Cooper believed in federalism. I had thought Chuck Cooper believed that state constitutions should be abided by, but not in this case, apparently, despite the universal impact it would have across that state and to benefit the Democrats who don't want standards. So while that lawsuit was separate from the Lehigh County case, it cited that case and adopted its general argument. Commonwealth Court President Judge Rene Conjubarir agreed, saying undated mail ballots should be counted. Now you see how this bounces around from judge to judge, ladies and gentlemen? It's one of the reasons the framers wanted the state legislatures to make these decisions. After a handful of counties refused to count undated ballots in the primary, the Pennsylvania Department of State, which oversees elections, sued to have those ballots counted in the final certified totals. Now, just so you know, the Secretary of State back then was a radical Democrat who had to resign, and she, of course, has been replaced by a radical acting Secretary of State, who's also a Democrat. <coughs> Excuse me. And so this went to the issue of the final certified totals, which is why when you have an FBI investigating, ooh, people sent, you know, other, other counts to the archivist. It's not like they hid who they were. They sent a different group of electors. An elector votes to the archivist, and that is a crime. These people had their backs against the wall because these courts were making outrageous decisions in violation of the federal constitution, the state constitution, and state law. Con again agreed. That's the state judge, this time laying out an extensive opinion for why undated mail ballots should not be rejected, citing both state and federal law. You know, I have found the longer an opinion a judge writes or a court writes, it's because they don't have a convincing decision. But Republicans are likely to challenge that argument now that the U.S. Supreme Court has vacated the Third Circuit ruling in the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. Were you able to follow that, America, Mr. Producer? So you can see what the Democrats have been up to. This was a forever law, that you have to put the date on the envelope. But because they had such massive early voting, well, there wasn't... Everybody didn't put the dates on the envelopes, which raises serious questions. But it doesn't matter if it raises questions or not. That is a quote-unquote technicality, like being a citizen, like having voter identification, like whether or not you can see when you drive. You know, they're technicalities, but they're not material, of course. Well, of course they're material. Every technicality in voting is material. That's why the state legislature put it in place. It's not a violation of the Voting Rights Act. It's never been a violation of the Voting Rights Act, and it's been in place for decades. It was only challenged now, Because the Democrats sent all their slip and fall ambulance-chasing lawyers into Pennsylvania, into Arizona, into Wisconsin, into Georgia, into Michigan, into other states that they were concerned that Trump might win to change the election laws. And now that North Carolina has challenged its state Supreme Court, that is, the state legislature, which is Republican, is challenging the court, which is Democrat, and how they changed the election laws, when it, excuse me, the uh, gerrymandering laws. Now this issue is queued up, even in a bigger way, which is why the Democrats are attacking the justices in advance on the on the theory that the state legislatures make the decision. It's not a theory, it's in the Constitution. Mark
0: Lovin. The great one makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin.
1: The secretary of the Department of Homeland Security has endangered this nation nation like few secretaries. He lies about the border being secure. He lies about the stats. He's doing all the dirty work for Joe Biden, Susan Rice, Ron Klain and all the other reprobates, who he has surrounded himself with. Now you remember those, those horseback agents, these gentlemen who were on horseback, border patrol, trying to prevent Haitian illegal aliens from coming into the country. Remember how the media focused on this for days to project a narrative about how racist America is. You remember Joe Biden and Kamala Harris going to, as quickly as they could, the closest TV cameras, to talk about how this looked horrific, racist, conjured up images of slavery, and how Joe Biden said he was going to get to the bottom of this and these men would pay. And a relative handful of us, as usual, who stood up and said, "Uh, shouldn't we get the facts here? And then the photographer comes out and says, actually, these men didn't whip anybody. But it didn't seem to matter. It didn't seem to matter. So there's now a Fox exclusive that will be ignored by every other cable channel and the network news and the New York slimes and the Washington Compost. Bill Malouge and Adam Shaw, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was told that the photographer who captured a clash between Border Patrol agents and Haitian migrants in Del Rio had said that the incident was being misconstrued hours before Mayorkas joined a White House press conference where he didn't challenge the false narrative. In other words, they they called a press event immediately called together a press event and got this guy up as fast as they could in front of the media to attack these men. Because by attacking these men, they're attacking Border Patrol and ICE and they're attacking America. And that, of course, is what Joe Biden and the Democrats do. They hate the country. Even though they live off of it, they hate it. The September 24, 2021 email obtained by the Heritage Foundation via Freedom of Information Act request shines light on the internal deliberations surrounding the controversy in Del Rio, Texas, where Democrats in the White House pushed a narrative that migrants had been whipped or strapped by Border Patrol agents despite its being quickly debunked. In fact, agents were using split reins to control their horses as migrants rushed across the river. But a narrative based on a misinterpretation of photographs was running on September 24 was further fueled by Joe Biden. And Biden said to see people treated like they did. Horses barely running over. People being strapped. It's outrageous. He told reporters making a whipping motion with his hand. I promise you, those people will pay. There will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. Well, there was an investigation that found they didn't do anything wrong. So they had to find some bureaucratic red tape something or other that they didn't follow some process having nothing to do with those photographs for which they were given desk assignments. In other words, they were punished anyway. The investigation is still ongoing more than a year later, but findings of the Office of Professional Responsibility in July found no whips were in their possession. And no migrant was struck by the reins, although it did find other alleged infractions. Now, just hours after Biden made his inflammatory remarks to the cameras, Marcia Espinoza, Assistant Secretary, DHS Public Affairs, Emailed Mayorkas and copied other DHS leadership, alerting them to a news article that showed that the photographer who took the images did not see any whipping. In the email, Espinoza highlighted the comments from the photographer, where he directly says he did not witness any whipping. But you see, folks, they wanted the whipping, they wanted a whipping to have occurred. The Democrat Party has a narrative. They want to yank out the heart and soul of this nation. They have a narrative. So even though there was none of that going on, they kept repeating the big lie they wanted it to go on. They don't care about these heroic men trying to secure our border. They never have, and they never will. Two and a half hours after receiving that email, Mayorkas joined White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, at a White House press conference where he continued to push the narrative. He had that email from his top press person, an assistant secretary, and he goes on national TV and he says, our nation saw horrifying images that do not reflect who we are. We know that those images painfully conjured up the worst elements of our nation's ongoing battle against systemic racism. It's like the lie against the cops. Systemic racism from the cops. The evidence shows none of that. None of it. Majorchis earlier in the week had spoken alongside Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortez and had defended the agents, even pointing out that agents use long range to control their horses, not as whips, but by the end of the week he abandoned that point. The images horrified us in terms of what they suggest and what they conjure up, Majorchis said. Why? Because orcas was told by the White House, push it, push the narrative, exploit it. It's a white supremacist country. It's a white dominant country. Push it. He was then asked about the discrepancy between the photographer's claims about no whipping being witnessed in the president's statement. He said, the horses have long reins of the image of the photograph that we saw that Harnott fired the nation, raised serious questions about what occurred as they stated quite clearly, conjured up images of what has occurred in the past. No, it doesn't. And no, it didn't. You mean Democrats whipping black people? It conjured up that images? Because that's the image of the past. Democrats whipping black people. The emails were obtained by the Heritage Foundation's Oversight Project. National Border Patrol Council President Brandon Jones told Fox News it was smoking gun evidence. Smoking gun? It was evidence even beyond a smoking gun. The investigation found no evidence. None. That agents struck migrants at all. They weren't even carrying whips. They'd been accused, one agent, of denigrating an offensive language against migrants. You know, most of these agents are Hispanics, right? Do you know that? They're bilingual, at least. Most of these agents are Hispanics. And yet, look how they're treated. As white supremacists, you see, must be part of the Oath Keepers of the Proud Boys. Maybe even, let's look at their Facebook, maybe even. They questioned Dr. Fauci, you never know. Maybe they questioned what the Democrats have been doing with our government. Oh, potential threats. This is sickening when the entire federal government is setting up patriotic, heroic fellow citizens to push a racist narrative against the country. What is the purpose of the Democrat party? Does it have a real purpose? Other than to destroy us from within? What does it do? What is its purpose? Trashes our history, Trashes our sovereignty, trashes our heroes, trashes law enforcement, trashes the military, trashes successful people, trashes the working class and the middle class, trashes our constitution, trashes our economic system, our currency. What is the purpose other than to destroy, to seek and destroy from within?
0: Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best. The best of Mark Levin.
1: I'm gonna spend all of four five three minutes, whatever, on January sixth. We have an election in twenty-six days. And they're doing everything they can on this committee to draw attention to themselves and away from what's going on in this country that's why they have subpoenaed Donald Trump this committee has taken so many steps that violate the federal constitution and violate the responsibilities of any committee of Congress we've never seen anything like this before Liz Cheney is absolutely a crackpot and of course the Democrats are more than happy to join her now we asked Jamie Raskin the so-called constitutionalist, whose father's a commie and was, to come on this show in the past. Mr. Producer, I need you to open up your microphone, please. We got an email from Jamie Raskin's office today. And what did that email essentially say, Mr. Producer? They were not able to come on. Speak up a little louder. They were not able to come on until November. They're not able to come on. No, the first email didn't say that. The oh, first said email he'd happy, said he'd be happy to come on. That he'd be happy to come on. Then you said, fine. What day and what time? Correct? In correct. response, as I asked you? Correct. And then they come back and say he can't come on until sometime after the election. He's his schedule's just too busy, isn't that correct? Correct. Okay. That's how you conveyed it to me. Jamie Raskin won't come on this show because he's a punk. Because he's a coward. Because he doesn't want to be confronted by me. He'll do every kiss-ass interview by CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post and the whole newspaper and the other reprobates. But he won't come on here because he's a coward. I wish I had subpoena power. Liz Cheney won't come on this program. She's been asked. Cheney won't come on. Raskin won't come on. None of them will come on. Because here they would be challenged. Unlike this Stalinist show trial that they continue to conduct. Really quite appalling. New evidence, they say they have. There's not one shred of evidence that Donald Trump had anything to do with the violence on January 6th. Hearing after hearing. Leak after leak. Email after email. Text after text. Nothing. Zero. Zero oh they got this guy saying this and this guy saying that nothing nothing zero and they're concluding that donald trump was behind the whole thing and they're going to release it right before the election now that is all you need to know that's all that's all you need to know jamie raskin should view it as an honor to come on this program he said donald trump should view it as an honor to appear before the committee Raskin should view it as an honor to come on this program. But they're all cowards. He should view it as an honor to speak to over 14 million people. Raskin should, but he won't. Instead he goes on low-rated CNN and low-rated MSNBC. Doesn't want to come on the program. And Then one other thing while I'm wrapping this, this up. You see the leak to the Washington Post by the government again? Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, they actually have video, and they have a witness who testified that some documents were moved from one location at Mar-a-Lago to the private office of the president, maybe the private residence.
0: Wow! Now
1: we got him! Now we got Trump! He didn't have any right to move a paper from point A to point B! Why, did the subpoena say he couldn't? I don't understand. No, it's intent. He intended to cover up. What are you talking about? He had the documents at mar a his home, the club. I presume he wanted access to them. For all we know, he's writing something. I don't know. But how is that evidence, ladies and gentlemen, of obstruction, of a subpoena? It has nothing to do with it. He didn't move it from Mor-Largo to the Bahamas. He moved it from one room to another. He moved it from one room to another. It's unbelievable. Donald Trump does ask, well, why didn't this committee ask me to testify months ago? Why did they wait till the very end, the final moments of the last meeting? Because the committee is politically corrupt, that's why. They all are. So is the FBI. Offered a $1 million bribe. A $1 million bribe to Christopher Steele. Tell us, Chris, tell us you can, you can actually back up this dossier. No, I can't. $1 million if you can, Chris. $1 million. You need to know more? Now I want to get to business here. Not a single member of this committee gives a damn about what's going on in this country. Not one. They are so self-righteous. They are so putrid, it's not even funny. I want you to understand something, America. Washington doesn't care about what you're going through. It doesn't care about your... Family situation. It doesn't care about the hell that they've created for so many of you, having to choose between energy and food. It doesn't care that the price of fuel is out of control and getting worse and worse. It doesn't care that no matter your wage increases, you cannot keep up with the inflation that's taking place. It doesn't care. It doesn't care at all. Let's look at some of the numbers that came out today. The last numbers you're going to get before the election in 26 days. The inflation rate year to year is 8.2%. But that doesn't tell the whole story. Gasoline increases from year to year over 58%. Year to year. Over 58%. The average mortgage rate now is 6.92%. A year ago it was 3%. And the Fed next week is expected to increase the interest rates by another three-quarters of a point. So that could become near 8%. Mortgage rate, loans for automobiles, loans for home appliances, loans for anything the roof. Biden keeps talking about how he's capped the price of drugs. Ladies and gentlemen, that doesn't go into effect until 2026. Biden is a serial liar. He was a serial liar even when he had wits. Now he has no wits, and he's still a serial liar. That's his fallback position. That's his fallback position, but food prices are soaring. Food prices are soaring, and you're going to see it particularly during Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. The cost of food climbed 11.2% in September compared to last year. With the cost of food at home, like groceries, climbing 13% year to year, Leading food price increases over the last 12 months, margarine up 44%. Flour and prepared flour mixes up 24%. Frozen and refrigerated bakery products like pies, tarts, turnovers up 20.4%. The collective category of meats, poultry, fish, and eggs rose by 9%. Eggs alone up 31% year to year. Other categories saw smaller annual price increases, but still notched their largest ever, largest ever year-to-year climbs. Cakes, cupcakes, cookies, up 16%. Sweet rolls, coffee cakes, donuts. Uncooked turkey prices, up 17%. Processed fruits and vegetables, up 16%. Really quite unbelievable the price of food has climbed by 15.57% since Joe Biden took office in January 2021. Heading straight for 20%. Incredible. Disgusting. And it's going to get worse. Much worse. Let's see what else we have to report to you as I go through my data here. This is from the Mises Wire. The federal government's Bureau of Labor Statistics released new price inflation data today, and according to the report, September was yet another month of soaring inflation. The 19 month in a row of inflation, 19 months in a row under Biden, above the feds arbitrary 2 percent inflation target and it's seven months in a row of price inflation above eight percent seven months in a row over eight percent month-over-month inflation rose as well september's increase keeps price inflation nearly forty-year highs june's year-over-year increase of nine percent was the largest But September's increase still keeps price inflation well within the same range as the inflationary years of the early 80s. September's increase, 8.2%, was the largest increase, the seventh largest increase, in 40 years. And these increases largely reflect price growth in food, energy, transportation, and shelter. In other words, the prices of essentials All saw big increases in August of the previous year. It's bad news for the Biden administration, but I don't care about that. It's bad news for the American people. This is the final price inflation report before the November elections. I think that politically they're lucky because I think it's going to get worse and it's going to get worse fast. The administration has repeatedly attempted to downplay the relentless increases to the cost of living being inflicted on Americans after years of deficit spending, which has helped fuel inflationary monetary policy. Yesterday, Biden attempted to claim that price inflation increase was 2% by slicing and dicing the numbers into an annualized rate composed of only the past three months. In the real world, Americans have lost an immense amount of purchasing power. That purchasing power is lost forever unless there's a sizable price deflation in coming years. And the deflation phobic central bank is sure to intervene to make sure that doesn't happen. In terms of earnings, this has been devastating for many wage earners. According to the government figures, BLS, average hourly earnings in September came in at $32.40. That's an increase of 4.92% year-over-year. Might sound good, except inflation is up 8.2% during the same period. 8.2%, so you've lost about 4% of your purchasing power. Or 3.3%, actually. This means September was the 18th month in a row during which price inflation outpaced earnings. The persistent price inflation is a repeated reminder of just how far behind the curve the Fed is and how reckless the Fed was in essentially printing nearly $5 trillion between February 2020 and April 2022, and I'll add this, to finance the Democrats', the Democrats massive, massive spending. Over the past two years, the Fed repeated... Ensured the public that creating vast amounts of new money would be no problem. That price inflation would never be anything more than transitory. Once that narrative was disproven, the Fed then began to admit, late in 2021, the inflation was not transitory. And now it's kicking into action. There are painful options ahead and nothing more. There is no good news. Now if you want more of this, you vote Democrat. It's that simple. This is their economic policies that have kicked into place, ladies and gentlemen. This is their economic policies. Period.